0: Welcome to Money Making Conversations Masterclass. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For you, it may be the size of your paycheck. Mine is helping people wake up and inspiring them to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. People always talk about their purpose or gifts. If you have a gift, lead with your gift and let your friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. My next, my next guest is a perfect example of leading with her gifts, understanding her purpose, and um. Uh, Accomplishing her dreams, because she lives them every day. Her name is Shirley Raft, award-winning actress, singer, producer, author, and philanthropist. Shirley's renowned entertainment career on screen and stage spans over three decades. In the ever-changing entertainment landscape, Shirley's career has spanned the range of comedy, Drama, TV, film, and theater. She's starring currently in a new comedy series, very, very funny comedy series called Abbott Elementary. It airs on ABC on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. It also, uh, I saw the three episodes on Hulu, so you can catch it on ABC.com or Hulu. I saw them on Hulu, all three episodes, fantastic. She plays the character Barbara, a longtime and respected Philadelphia kindergarten teacher, and it's amazing <laughs> and very, very relatable, by the way. And and while working in front of the camera, she keeps her life busy. She is also a passionate health advocate and honored AIDS advocate. She is the founding director of DIVA. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations Masterclass the incredible incredibly accomplished Shirley Raph. how are you doing
1: Shirley i'm doing great oh should i say miss Raph?
0: Or should i say miss Raph? because when you can you, say, you can say goddess God, you can because you, you, like you, <laughs> you look like a goddess you look like a diva you've an, an amazing career i recently saw this interview uh it was on youtube which uh, we was talking about uh sydney Portier. And and, uh, and and he was moved by that. Uh, can you before we get into the master class? Can you give my audience the, your reaction to his passing and the, and the significance of someone like Sidney Portier and his background and relationship to you?
1: You know, it's it's so interesting. Well, first of all, you you gave me you took a few years off of my career, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is a wonderful thing, except for the fact that it's been close to. 45 years, my very Mm. first job. I was 19 years old, Uh fresh out of college. Mm -hmm. And Sidney Poitier gave me my very first job in a film called A Piece of the Action, Mm -hmm. which was the last of a trilogy of films that he did (laughs) with Bill Cosby. Cosby. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I played a bad young girl (laughs) by the name of Barbara Hanley. I remember (laughs) it's so funny because barbara hanley i i've been hearing people say that's why barbara howard is such a a great teacher because she was barbara hanley so i i just love the fact that people are able you know through all of these generations Mm -hmm. are able to put it together full circle like that and that The start for me was Mr. Poitier, who stayed in touch with me for most of my career. The last time I spoke with him, I had just gotten cast in a series called Instant Mom. Yes, with the t- the, a Tiamari, time. right? Tiamari, right? That's right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was so wonderful, and he told me how proud he was of me and that I didn't let him down,
0: and <laughs> it was a great Great conversation. Well, you know, the interesting thing about your character, because, uh, you know, I've been a sitcom writer, and so I've been fortunate to, uh, you know, create lines with Sarah Finney Johnson, who was. Uh, of- you know, Sarah Finney is one of the greats. Absolutely. Sarah
1: Finney is, a, is another one of those people who, you know, she was one of the creators of Mm Moesha. And from generation to generation, people know Sarah from the quad. They know her from... You know, so many things. And yes. right now she's on Queen Sugar, mm-hmm. but there have been so many series mm-hmm. that Sarah Finney
0: has had a major hand in, quite literally. Well, you know, you've, you've had your hands in several levels. You know, we can always go back to Dream Girls. And I remember when I was doing the Steve Harvey, my first sitcom was Steve Harvey's uh, Me and the Boys. And all we could do, and that was in 1994, and all they kept saying, we got to get Shirley it because she's the one. She's the one. We got to have him as a, because he needed a love interest. Uh, our first, because our first love interest was Wendy Raquel Robinson. And said, so, yeah, she's good, but we got to get Shirley Raff. And I remember it was just a push in the writer's room and all the executive producers, all the ABC network said, she's the one. And you've always had that she's the one tone from the industry. And it comes from not only relationships, but doing the job and being a professional. And a lot of people misstep that because of the fact that you can only, I think, have a long career when people have worked with you and want to work with you again. Talk about longevity and relationships. I think you just put your, your um, voice on
1: it. Who knows you? Mm -hmm. Who likes you? Mm -hmm. Who wants to work with you? Mm -hmm. Who wants to work with you again? Mm -hmm. I, I just came back from Philadelphia. You know, I commute my husband senator hughes of pennsylvania mm-hmm. he and i mm-hmm. well i do the commuting he <laughs> but we were laughing because a friend of mine has a new series shy mcbride shy and i did a movie together called distinguished gentlemen absolutely with Eddie murphy absolutely and yeah and then shy and i have you know on and off you know in touch he got his new sitcom and he said I got to get Shirley Ralph <laughs> and I came. I was on the plane mm-hmm. and they were like, shy is asking me if you will do this show with him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's small, but I'm just like, when your friends and people mm-hmm. call you because they've got to have you,
0: the least you can say is, Okay. Yes. Yeah. Well, I—I I, I love to tell everybody. I've been in the room where they've been demanding and asking for this young lady, this diva, this goddess. And over the years, I've seen her. You know, and and, and guess what? She came on the set and she delivered. But here's the thing about it is that she delivered with humbleness, professionalism. Um, there's a certain uh, way you come because I've been fortunate to be around a lot of stars, and some stars I don't want to be around. OK, and some talent that aren't stars I don't want to be around. OK, we don't even get in that because she knows what I'm talking about. And so but the problem, the, the issue is always delivering if Because we are working on a stress situation. You know, we have to deliver. We do our lines. We have to make sure the line reads right. We have to write a character. You have to come in. And we're all hoping and praying that this series gets renewed. People watch Set. the series, get the ratings. It's so many things that go into creating the project. Then you have to put it out there and see if the general public likes it. And then you have to have sure. a talent like Shirley Raff who wants to promote it. See, see, if she well, doesn't, you know what I'm saying? You are, see, that's why you're
1: doing this show about money making <laughs> because promotion, promotion, promotion. You can have the most incredible idea, script, series out there. But if nobody knows it's there, it yes. means absolutely nothing. You know, I shoot two series. I shoot Abbott Elementary and I shoot a series called Motherland Fort Salem, which
0: is an outstanding yes.
1: series on As freeform. Form.
0: Absolutely. I don't. Girl, I got a you. I got you. I got it. you. I got you. OK, I got you. Uh, because that uh, 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 Demetria. Uh, she's on that show. That's exactly right, <laughs> and
1: people should see Demetria. People should see the show when you've got a woman like me as the forty fifth, the forty fifth president of the United States mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in an alternative world mm-hmm. where the future is truly feminine. They should see it, mm-hmm. but they don't see it. Because of a lack of promotion. Mm-hmm. But Avid Elementary, Abbott <laughs> Elementary is pouring the sauce, baby, on everything. You hear me? Oh, my gosh. When we were shooting this show in secret, people right. were like, hold up. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. That, that, that little girl from what? Mm-hmm. Black Lady Sketch Show? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. The, that, that little woman from... BuzzFeed, the Q <laughs> lady.
0: The, I call her the true queen bee. Yes. Oh, oh, we need to know about this. Yes. It has been amazing. Well, it oh, well, has been amazing. Well, you know, the, the interesting thing about it, because before the show came on my radar, you know, it hit buzz. And then my staff would say, Rishon, have you seen Abbott Elementary? I said, no, I haven't seen you. you got to see it. It's funny. This is funny. This is really, really funny. <laughs> and so, and then I saw an article on her, because I, I, I live in two cities. I live in Atlanta. I live in Houston. And I always read the Houston newspaper. And I just saw an article on the creator and the lead in the and I was just reading about her and I would go, okay. And then they said, Oh, you know, Shirley Ralph scheduled to do your show. I go, OK, I got to watch that because what I don't do, Cheryl, I do not interview people on that. You know, just read your bio and ask generic questions. I hate that. I hate that. So I'm sitting on my sofa yesterday and I saw episode one. I saw episode two. I saw episode three. And I'm the principal of uh, 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 the, uh, the, the. Janelle the,
2: James. Oh, Janelle <laughs> James, I
1: think, is a bright talent that she has not acted before. This is her You're first time me. really me. <laughs> in a show like this and she is killing
0: it. Killing it, you and, and, and here's the thing about it. It's set in Philadelphia, it's a it's a kindergarten setting, you know, like all. No, it's a public, it's a primary school, primary school setting, a primary school setting, and so and so. When, when we say that, means that it's a public school, correct? Because they are they're struggling for funds, they're struggling to get supplies, they're struggling yeah. to deliver adequate and correct education to these young kids, and 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 it is a black population of kids that attend this school, yeah. which is typical for a public school. Mm-hmm. And uh, her character, Barbara, is the seasoned teacher. The, the, I would say, the, you, you always have these shows where you have to have somebody who's extreme, and that's uh, that's the, the white character. She's extreme, because you don't know if she... Because she has a line, that she said, you know, I can make more money on the streets, and you don't know what that means? <laughs> you go... Is that drugs? Is that prostitution? What is she it's talking like about? What is she selling? <laughs> right. <laughs> and and
1: and, and then, that's played by Lisa Ann Walter, and, and she, she is really amazing and wonderful as well.
0: And and you feel the reality of a character. You feel the, the the comedic frustration of all these characters that are put together. And and I think that's what it all happens when we talk about this series, Abbott Elementary. When well, you do a table read, Cheryl, and a table read, gonna tell everybody, it's like, you know, you, they bring everybody in, the cast, the, the executive producer's there, sometimes network is there, of course the person who wrote the script and other writers. And then the cast sits around the table and they read the script, okay, on the, yeah. in, in seats. That's when you really get a sign, a sense of if something's flat or something works. Uh, they That's want to expand right. on it. You add to it. You go, oh, that. We'll fix that. We'll fix that. We'll fix that. How was it that table read when you sat down for this series, the pilot? I, I honestly
1: have to tell you that sitting there, listening to the show, I really knew that I was on to something very special right you know when we were doing dream girls back in the day Mm -hmm. and we would stand in the wings and listen to jennifer holliday sing i knew we were on to something special when i met brandy doing moesha and this young girl came on in all of her braids and just (laughs) being herself i knew we were on to something special that table wreath with Abbott Elementary, I was doing a hallelujah dance. I was like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. This is it, my God. This is what I have been working
0: for so far. Yes. <laughs> oh my, and believe me, everything she's saying is the reaction I had laughing because my wife, you know, she was in the kitchen, and was, she kind of like watches the TV, kind of. So, the next thing she's sitting next to me watching, right? And so, and so I'm going, I'm going, I'm enjoying this. And first of all, I, I felt you were you were two of my teachers in high school uh, that's that's okay. there's Linda Traylor, she's my biology teacher and there's Georgia Nelson that was my math teacher you know they were both people who focused me who, who who allowed me to sit here in this chair today because of those two teachers so I felt your character Barbara was very relatable from that standpoint because because I needed that I needed that person that, okay you you Stop! Stop all the silliness. This is who you are, and that's what your character is uh, defines this role in there. And the beauty of this series, everybody, is <laughs> kind of like shot like it's a docu series. In other words, if, if it make it seem like a documentary team is following them around in school, so you get a lot of action towards the camera, and then a lot of did, did I say that in front of the camera? <laughs> and so, so you, <laughs> and so, so that also plays into another a fourth wall, and you are the fourth wall that they're talking to. And that really makes for an original concept for us to review this sitcom because I'm pretty sure it's a single camera they're shooting. It's not a multi-camera single camera. right? No,
1: we have, it's amazing because what um, Quinta has developed here is something literally brand new. Okay. Well, maybe it's not brand new, but it's, it's very different because when we're working, we have a whole ballet going on with the cameras. They they're never still. They're they're not on you know not rack and roll. Right, right, they're right. on sort of scooters with wheels uh-huh. and everything. Mm-hmm. So they're they're it's almost like a dance, right? That they're right. doing with each other mm-hmm. to make sure that they catch everything. There are some things that they have caught, and I was like, I know they didn't just catch that. They just <laughs> You know and sometimes I see the show and I'm like oh my god they're like watching everything yes yes, yes you yes, know yes. it's 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 like that and it's been it's been great to be a part of something brand new and I say this a lot but Quinta Brunson when I look at Quinta Brunson I feel the way I believe Maya Angelou felt when she looked at me Mm -hmm. Maya Angelou looked at me and said one day, when I hear you speak, Shirley Ralph, I know (laughs) it was all worth it. And I felt so, oh, my God, it it just made me feel so good. And now when I look at Quinta and here Mm -hmm. she is writing, creating, Mm -hmm. producing Mm -hmm. this show, Mm -hmm. I look at her Mm -hmm. And I've been through it with this industry, and I feel it was all worth it. And I'm just so proud of her. Well, you know, and and
0: you should be. You know, her background. Her mom was a teacher. The Quinta, that's that's the star of the show and the creator, Uh, and so that. So she's 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 gaining information from a lifestyle that she grew up around. And then, but That's right. uh, it still goes back to the characters that you know. The, whether it's the janitor, whether it's the, the sub teacher, William you know, Stanford you know, plays the janitor, and he is funny because
1: he's always in the room. Right. And then he says something crazy, and you're like, "I forgot he was right there."
0: <laughs> or, or he knows y'all when y'all in the break room. He can say whatever. Y'all not listening? <laughs> Thank you. I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. <laughs> Nobody goes. What did he say? But, but exactly.
2: We will be right back with more money making conversation with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's return to money making conversation with Rashawn McDonald. Speaking of Shirley Ralph, the incredible Shirley Ralph, I have
0: on my show. We all know her history in television, stage, directing, author. Uh, but this show that she's starring in, uh, Abbott Elementary, which airs on ABC on Tuesdays. If you miss it, go to ABC.com, go to Hulu. I caught it on Hulu. It's an amazing show from a docu-series style because the cameras—they—they they are there. Sometimes they go, "Ooh, I didn't know the cameras were there." Uh, I didn't really mean to say that. You gonna cut that right? And then so, <laughs> and so it captures a lifestyle of. It's a very modern approach. It's good to. The, uh, the principal, the school principal, she actually has a green screen <laughs> studio in, in her in her office, <laughs> and so oh, yeah. that's that's what I really loved about it. It felt so modern, but it didn't feel forced. And I right. think that I think that that's important that people hear that because I had a friend of mine that was saying that they they were, they were working on a project, a sitcom project, and they said that the executive came back and said, "Well, it feels kind of dated. It feels like a." Feels like a traditional sitcom. Well, this is not a traditional sitcom. And I'm just going to let you know that it's, it's a very uh, innovative. It's very, it's very modern. It's very sensitive. It also has those dramatic moments, which I like in brilliant sitcoms, where, you know, we can laugh through the pain, But then we got the message of the pain. Talk about that. Thank you. You know, it's so interesting. When I first saw the script, I loved the character
1: of the principal. And I said to Quinta, give me a shot at the principal. And she said, no, absolutely not. We need a queen for Mrs. Howard, yes, and that's yes, you. Yes, And yes. she has given me the wonderful task of doing exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. I deliver the heart and the message of the show. Last week's episode, when someone, when a group of um, privileged college students come in and they want to fulfill the wish list <laughs> yes. and they break into yes. the classroom mm-hmm. and Miss Howard has to say, no, no, get out, get out. Yes. And then to confront young Janine to say, I know my students don't have everything, mm-hmm. but my students don't need to know right. that they have everything. Right. right. Let right. them be happy and enjoy what it is
0: they have. Right. And that's Am very I true. Back that's... These expensive gifts. Oh, hell No. No. Yes. You know, it's really interesting you say that because, you know, if, if you get a slice of my life and I grew up in the hood and I grew up uh, six sisters, two brothers, two bedroom shotgun house. That was me. So I go through high school and I'm going to tell you, this, it wasn't until college that I actually used a fork and knife, you know. So so when I would eat and when I eat, my friends would go, why do you eat everything with a spoon? Well, that's all I had at the house was a spoon. And so I would cut my meat with a spoon. I would go, dude, there's a knife and a fork there. Well, guess what? I didn't know. I didn't have it, so guess what? I was I was cool with it. And then of course, I realized, okay, there are other utensils <laughs> that you can use. And add- to use. To do, that you can use. But that, that's exactly what you're saying. If you don't know, then you're comfortable with Guess what? It didn't hurt my growth. It didn't stunt my growth. It was just something I didn't know was available to me, but it didn't stop me from being successful. And that's what I take away from that line. When I saw that moment, it was just a flashback to my life when I was just in college cutting everything with a spoon. I was eating with a spoon. And when I when I went through the line, I just grabbed a spoon. And because you know you got a knife and fork over there. I go, okay, no biggie. I'm cool. And but But the wonderful point, the wonderful point to this is that. You were raised
1: in a home that made you feel good about what you had. Yes. You did not feel less than. Yes. And I love the fact that we were able to say that out loud. You should not be made to feel less than because you don't have as much as others. You know, I I tell you, I'm a plain old ordinary middle class child of the 60s Mm -hmm. kid and I always thought I was rich. Right. Always right. thought right. I was rich. Right. I grew up and found out I wasn't rich. Right, right, right. right my right, right, parents right. made me feel mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. about what I had and where I was in life. And just like you, it did not stop me from reaching for my dreams. It did not deter me from being becoming who it was. I am still becoming.
0: I want to talk about you being an aid activist before I close out, because I think it's an important part of who you are. I've seen what you've done over the years is you, you've been front and center. And I think that's important that people know that, you know, you want to, you, you know, like I see how recently Betty White passed away and they honored her on her 100th birthday by because she's an advocate for pets. You know, you know animals. she animals. loves animals, animals. Yeah. And so and I'm not comparing her activism for AIDS to pets. I'm just saying that people are, are more than what you see they are. They do more behind the scenes. And sometimes just because they're public figures, you entertain. That's all we care about. That's all we want to know. You've been an activist in AIDS. Talk about why that was so. You've been honored the United Nations. You've been honored the Jamaica. You know, you have been a international advocate. Talk about why that has been so important to you. As an
1: original company member of Dreamgirls, the musical, the original Mm -hmm. on Broadway, you know, we lost one third of our company to AIDS, not HIV, to AIDS. And nobody said anything about that loss. And somehow... It stuck with me. And I said, no, we have to do better. We have to acknowledge these talented, amazing, (laughs) beautiful men that we have lost and Mm. a few women, too, Mm -hmm. but not in our company. Mm -hmm. But that's how I got involved. Right. And it's so hard for me now, after everything I learned about the HIV virus mm-hmm. and the Corona-19 virus, so many parallels, so many similarities mm-hmm. that tell me a lot about human behavior. People are hard-headed. Yes. People do not believe the truth even when it is told to them people enjoy lives. When they say ignorance is not bliss, it is only a saying as a warning. Yes. When it came to HIV, we knew that condoms were a known barrier to the disease. Could we get people to wear condoms? Could we get women to carry condoms and protect themselves? No, just like we can't get people to adhere to mask wearing now with COVID-19. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't fit. Same excuses we had back in the day with HIV, the same excuses now we have with masks and the virus. Get tested. Know your status so you don't spread the disease. (laughs) HIV, get tested. Could we get people to get tested? And if they did get tested, Mm -hmm. they would only go in for their first test and would not come back for their results. Mm -hmm. Like so many people walking around halfway vaccinated for Corona now (laughs) or completely unvaccinated For corona, Mm -hmm. people who know or knew that they were positive for HIV back in the day did not tell anybody, like people now know they're positive for COVID 19, don't tell anybody, Mm -hmm. and then act like it's a lie. Yes, HIV did not have to become a black woman in the South's burden, but it is. Corona 19 does not have to become endemic, meaning a part of who we are. So just like the flu, you have to get a booster, a shot every year or every two, three, four months. (laughs) Who knows what it's gonna be with Corona? People are hard headed, they don't wanna listen to the truth, and they wanna make up all kind of stories around these things, talking about why should people, why should the government be telling me what to do? Well, here's here's some things that you don't have to do. Please do not get a driver's license. Get out there and drive without your license. See what happens when they find you driving without a license. Mm -hmm. Please, if you're in a state where they charge you income tax, don't pay your taxes. Just don't pay your taxes because when the IRS finds you, you're going to see when, what happens when people tell you some of the things that you have to do. And by the way, we vaccinate our children for a lot of diseases so that they can go to school so that other children don't get sick. I suggest you try not vaccinating your child for anything because that child will not be going to school anywhere. So those are just a few of the things that the government tells you you must do. What you going to do? That's what I need to know. What you going to do? Because, see, I need you to survive and I need you to fight for our doggone right to vote. Because if you want to make some money, you need to be able to vote and tell people where to spend the money that they have got for you that you don't know about because you're not part of this. You're not voting. I'm just saying don't get me
0: started. That's my life. That's <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you this. That little portion right there will be clipped and put on my social media because that's the part of it. life. That's the That's the Shirley after that I know. That's the Shirley if I've seen. That's the part that you hear in this interview. She's an award-winning actress, singer, producer, author, philanthropist. She's a goddess. She's a diva. More importantly, on Tuesdays, Hulu, ABC.com. Watch a very funny series, Abbott Elementary. It stars, it airs on ABC, but they got so many great outlets that you can see it. It's a brilliant comedy set in Philadelphia, primary school. You, my friend, are uh, outstanding. You still look amazing. I also saw yeah. you walk around that little bathing suit on social media too. So I thought that <laughs> they went viral. I didn't want to say that till the end. I saw you walking around. I saw you walking around. You went viral. And I'm not, I'm saying, hi, she on my how she on my timeline? Hi, I showed it to my wife? I said, How is Shirley Raph on my timeline walking around her <laughs> poo? Walking around her poo. But, girl, you're fantastic. Thank you. I just wanted to put that little embarrassment in front of you. But you look great. Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm promoting your show. Thank you for taking the time to come. Money Making Conversation Masterclass. Shirley Raff, I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. Thank you.
2: We will be right back with more Money Making Conversation with Rashawn McDonald. You are now tuned into the Money-Making Conversations Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald.
0: Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald from Money-Making Conversations Masterclass with your daily Minute of Inspiration. My guest, celebrity stylist Nisa Hilton, talks about creating iconic looks and her inspiration not just to have a business.
1: Because I'm so connected with my clients, they appreciate that, so then they trust me. So then they're willing to try First of all, I get an understanding of what they want. So that's always incorporated in anything that I'm creating for them. And then if I want to do something a little outside of their comfort zone, they trust me because I made the connection already. So I think it's about confidence and just being positive and bringing good energy because fashion is fun. You know, so it shouldn't be anything that has to make you feel
0: worried or anxious or concerned. It should be something. It's a celebration of who you are. If you want to listen to this full interview with Misa Hilton, it's available on moneymakingconversations.com.
2: Now let's return to Moneymaking Conversation with Rashawn McDonald.
0: My guest is Brian Simpson. Let me just keep it real simple right now. He's a stand-up comedian. If anybody knows my background, that's, why I, that's how I met Steve Harvey. He was my opening act as a stand-up comedian, deaf comedy jam, that's me. Good friends Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, all those people. Brian grew up in Washington, D.C., foster care system, then joined the Marine Corps. He eventually quit a job at the Pentagon and took up stand-up comedy. I left IBM to pursue my stand-up comedy career. He tours the country brilliantly, incorporating his rare combination of life experiences as a foster child and Marine Corps veteran into his refreshingly unique point of view, which I love. I've seen his special three times. You hear me, y'all, three times. We're going to be talking about his career, his new Netflix stand-up special that I've already told y'all I've seen three times. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations Masterclass, the incredibly funny and brilliant Brian Simpson. Thank you for having me, Rashad. Brian, um, you know, for me to sit up and say I saw you, because this is what I kind of do, because, you know, we've been trying to connect with this interview a couple of times, and your schedule, and my schedule... But one of the most important things we are now talking. So I always see, I always try to watch things the day of an interview. So uh, I get up at four thirty in the morning, get to my office about six. Netflix, I got the account special out right now, streaming on Netflix. Turned it on, and it was not one joke in your set that I would have ever thought of doing. That's my first sign of brilliance right there. If you're doing something that I wouldn't even think about doing, I go, okay, he's in a whole different plane of conversation. That means you're original. That means that you're edgy because you're talking about stuff that normal people don't say on stage. And you know where I'm coming from. Because we you know when you go on stage, people expect a certain joke. You know, I always say joke is tied to sex and rock and roll. Food, sex, rock and roll. That's what comedy is tied to. People expect that. Now let's talk about your career as a stand-up comedian. You know, you're touring, you're on the Who's Who's list of the next great one. When you hear all that stuff and hear me talking right now about you, Brian, what's your thought? Thoughts about your career so far?
3: I mean, it's, it's still kind of hard to believe, man. When the when I hear some of the greats, you know, talk like that, because it's only been a couple of weeks, even less than that, since the special came out. You know, and it was it was struggling all before that. <clears throat> you know, but you know, I you know, I knew I was funny enough to to, to get it done, but I just didn't know when it was going to happen. You know, and it just feels good that it's finally taking place.
0: Now, how did Netflix put you in this series? Because the, the series is called Stand Up. And it's a series of 30 minute specials and you know they just shoot one person after the next and you know, and then how did you come about that through your management, through your agency? They saw you at a at a comedy festival, they saw you in the comedy club. How did you come about this opportunity?
3: Brian? Yeah, they well, they were they were dancing around me for a little while, but uh, and they were kind of on the fence a little bit, but then I I was uh I auditioned for the just the last festival. In Montreal, and right? For Montreal, yeah. Right. And it just so happened to be the first week in L.A. where they started lifting restrictions. hmm And so everybody came out, you know. And they saw me that night in the crowd, all the industry people was in the crowd, and that. And the next day they gave me the half hour.
0: hmm Now, did you do a similar yeah. set, or you did the same set that aired on um, Netflix? um
3: I actually don't remember what set I did I, I mean, maybe because it, it was only it was only a, a five minute set so okay there cool. may be some there may be a joke in there from the special but mm-hmm. it's, it's not the same set
0: No, mm-hmm. I, I would tell you the reason I, I I love your set see I was just a funny guy you know I could I could craft words and I could see life from a, my point of view from a social standpoint but I never incorporated my personal life into my stand-up comedy routine and you're incorporating your personal life into your stand-up comedy routine. Talk about that journey and talk about how you're able to find things that may be sad to other people, but you twist it to be very humorous when it comes out of your mouth. Man, you know what? I, um... Um, I was, I remember performing
3: one time in, um, this, I, cause I started out in San Diego. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, and I performed one time and I remember, do you, you know a comic named Ralph Harris? After this my boy out of Philadelphia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, he, he gave me two key pieces of advice. He, he told me to always, you know, basically the basics was like always write, always be writing. Mm-hmm. And, but then the other one was like, he said, Hey man, you're funny, but, but I don't believe you. Mm hmm. You know, when you when you up there talking like I don't believe you like be real, yes. you know, mm-hmm. and and he told me he, so he told me like the more you the more you make it about you. Can't nobody ever steal your material. Can't nobody take it from you. Can't nobody do your act, you know. And so that's when I stopped making jokes about like observations. Right. And started making jokes about stuff that only I could talk about.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so and the one thing about I love about this stand up, first of all, he's not a high energy guy. He don't have props. No. OK, <laughs> he just walks out on stage, walks up to the microphone, just starts talking. He, You you invite me into your conversation. That's the style of comedy Brian Simpson has. look you know, I've been fortunate me. I've, you know, uh, managed Steve Harvey, uh, good friends with him uh, the whole kings of comedy run dl bernie mac that incredible special that he did a headline in the kings of comedy Cedric the entertainer i can call him one of my good friends did deaf comedy jam all those things but when i see you you cut from a different cloth why is that
3: um i think i just i just have a unique experience man you know like i i um i don't have a normal upbringing um, I think I, I lived a couple of lives before I started doing stand-up. Right. Because you know, I, I wasn't always the class clown or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Stand-up kind of found me late. I didn't start till I was 28 years old. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, but you was funny, I, though. I, but you was funny, though,
3: around your group. I was, I was observant, mm-hmm. you know, and it took me – I didn't know I was funny until I was in the military. Okay, how, what age was
0: that? I that was eighteen okay cool so that's fine that's fine you know you weren't supposed to be funny in high school I wasn't funny in high school yeah. you know what I'm saying I was just trying yeah. to find myself in high school i didn't I didn't start doing stand-up to like uh i think it was uh it was like five years out of high school no 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 was no 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 I'll take that back it was like uh, three years i was twenty one years old when I started doing stand-up I was in college and I just went and oh. saw Bill Hicks perform. In Houston, because oh, I, wow. I started doing stand up comedy in Houston, Texas, and I was I was watching the show on a date, and I was sitting on the front row, and um, uh, Sam Kennison was on stage, Bill Hicks, and I wasn't laughing. I was just wasn't I was just enjoying, but they made a big deal about a black guy in a comedy club for the white people, Ooh. not laughing, <laughs> and so and finally Bill Hicks did something and made me laugh. The whole whole room just gave a standing ovation to that moment. And that's how I got into stand-up that moment you know of going wow I would have never thought about doing something like that and it was revealed to me as an option that's how I got into stand-up how did how was stand-up revealed to you Brian um
3: well it, it was it was it was two things but one when so when I uh when I got to my when I got to my first unit- mm-hmm. um I was the only black person right and it's funny how the, our stories are similar like that. I, so I was the only black person uh, in my unit, and everybody was being a little extra nice to me. This right. is a short version.
0: <laughs> yes. And
3: and <laughs> my commander pulled me to the side one time, and he told me that before I got there, there was there was a racial incident. The, the commander had been accused of racism. They took him out the unit. They took all the black Marines out the unit, and I was the first black person back in the unit. Right. <laughs> and, that's, and so everybody was acting strange because they was afraid to like offend me.
0: Right, you know? you a test subject. You a test subject. Yeah,
3: yeah, I was the canary in <laughs> the coal mine. Right, so I so I, I gathered everybody. I said, "Hey, look here. You say whatever you want to say, right? But I get to say whatever I want to say,
0: right? You know, and, and
3: and and that was the deal, right? And right. so it got to the point where I started being able to speak when when everybody else had to hold their tongue.
0: Right. Uh-huh.
3: And and and, th- and and every and you know, and I learned real quickly that if 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 it got a laugh, I wouldn't be in trouble. Right. You know? right, right. So and I just got in the habit. And it got to the point where everybody started being like, man, you need to do this, you need to do that. Fast forward a couple of years later, I we uh we run into Don Myrera at a at a um at a Hooters. Mm-hmm. And he gave us tickets to his show. And I and I watched him. Just master class, right? In stand up, and that's when I decided I was going to do it. I went home that day and wrote my joke, and it's still one of my closest. I, I use it still.
0: Now, did you practice on anybody? Like I practiced on my sister and my nephew. That's why. That's how I was practicing, practicing, practicing before I went on stage. Got my little five minutes together, Brian, and then I <laughs> went on stage. What did you do?
3: I, you know what I did is I, I hid from everybody. I read I ran. I would go do open mics like. With no, I knew nobody I knew could possibly run into me. Right, uh huh. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I got ready, um, and I, and I and I would talk to myself in the mirror all the time, and yes, and, and yes, record, record it and play it back all the time because I just didn't I was so scared to embarrass myself.
0: Now, Stu, you, um, I'm gonna tell you something, man. I remember I was um, because I, I was I was I was writing, and uh, Steve Harvey gave my first writing job on me and the boys and, on ABC in like in '94. And I had not done stand-up for comedy for a while. And so I got booked in uh Los Angeles. I mean in Atlanta. In Atlanta. And at, uh an Earthquake was hosting at the time. Oh man. And Earthquake wasted me, brother. I mean, he <laughs> he tore that club up, dog. And I went up there, and I ain't gonna lie to you, I bombed. I I bombed really, really bad. I mean, a dear I mean uh 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 everybody was an artist. Because they just thought out, because everybody knew my reputation, and he took me out. And so I did exactly what you just said. I went home, I, I found my old recordings, I looked in the mirror, and I just started practicing, just started practicing. And so, the reason I bring it up, because a lot of people think that jokes are just natural, that you don't put work into it. But you have to put work into it and the mannerisms. And sometimes a joke is not funny because you didn't even do your hand like this. Swing it right. Or you didn't turn. And and you know what I'm talking about, Brian, because sometimes you go, why that joke ain't funny no more? And then you might look at a video and go, oh, because I'm not turning. Oh, because I'm not looking up. When you, when you think yeah. about that whole work and craft of, of putting this, this set together this own Netflix that's making you a star this is just the, the start of your career brother because you are doing some stuff that is very original but it's very funny but even very groundbreaking and in, 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 in the era of council culture what you did when it came to mental health that joke that was a bold move brother <laughs> 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 that, was, that was a bold move, brother. <laughs> they, they they out there canceling people, but you was able to pull it out and and, and, and and do it very funny and let people understand it's just a joke. You know, don't this is what this is why you came in here to look through my lens, my eye, my third, fourth, fifth eye, how I see things, allow me to twist it, entertain you, walk away. But don't 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 crucify me. As saying that this is something that I, I I believe in. Talk about that whole approach to your comedy, because you on the edge, Brian Simpson, with your material, but you keep winning with it. Talk to us about that. Yeah, you know what? I I
3: um, you know, I I just my, my philosophy is just you can't make, you can't make art if you decide what it's gonna be at the end. You know, you can't, you can't go, this is how I want it to turn out. And then, and now I'm going to start making it. You got to just make it and let it be what, it, what it's going to be. You know, right. and, and, and everything you let influence that is, is, it makes it less you, you mm-hmm. know? And I, and so I'd rather, I'd rather have the people be upset. And, and with me being me, right. than I will for everybody to love every single word I say, but I'm being fake. You know, like my, my, my philosophy is always, you know, Everything you gotta be fake to get, you gotta stay fake to keep. You right. Know? and mm-hmm. that's ex- that's exhausting. Right. Absolutely. You know, so I I, I just rolled, I just roll the dice. I mean, because it, it's nothing in that, it's nothing in that stand-up that what that wasn't true. I mm. mean, it all happened to me, is what I'm saying. You know, mm. I, I obviously you massage things for comedy's sake, but though those are my stories. Those are all things that are that are true. I don't care if you're upset
0: about it. Right, you know, right, but we live in a, a society that, that that not telling you what you can and cannot say. they're saying you- yeah, well, some
3: I think I think some people some people think that they have a monopoly on pain, you know? yes, they do, yes they do. And it's like, and it's like we all deal with our pain in different ways. Mm-hmm. and and so I got through a lot of my darkest times by finding the comedy in it. Mm-hmm. and i and I'm sharing that with people because just as many people are upset. I've received messages about that specific joke. I received messages of people going, you know, I've been there too, man, and you made it, you made it better. Or thank you for saying that joke. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so 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 why why do you get to deprive that person right. of hearing the joke? Right. Because it doesn't it doesn't work for you. You know, it's like getting mad at me for taking aspirin <laughs> when you prefer etc. You know? Right, right, right. It's, like, <laughs> it, it's, the, cure, it's the cure to my pain. Right,
2: right. We will be right back with more money-making conversation with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's return to money-making conversation with Rashawn McDonald.
0: You know, uh, you talk about foster care, and I know that I, I represent a couple of uh, my clients. They have they're, they're from the foster care world. Are you are uh, uh, an ambassador, or is just something you talk about, or do you or do you go out your way to really encourage the? The, 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 there is a life. There is an opportunity after foster care. How does foster care play in your life now? Not as part of it's part of your comedy routine. It's part of your Netflix special. What is talk about that journey and what is, what's the, the role of foster care in your life now as an adult? Well, well now
3: that I'm now that um, you know, I anticipate I'll have a little higher profile and have more influence. I'm definitely going to be more involved uh, mm-hmm. in that world mm-hmm. um, because I think it's important for. You know, just like you, you hear a lot of times nowadays, representation matters. Yes, sir. And and so, just like it's important for black kids to see black people succeeding, even even further, so it's important for foster children to see other foster children succeeding because a lot of a lot of foster adults aren't really vocal about it. Um, and 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 it's important, you know, because it's easy to grow up thinking that you're broken. Or that there's something wrong with you because you've been passed around, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And and um and, but what I learned very quickly when I started doing stand-up was that was that the way I grew up was actually unique. It was actually a superpower because I have a perspective that very few other people have. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. so I I see the world in a way that very few other people see. And so it's not something wrong with you, it's just something different about you. And, I, and and I would love to just say that to as many of these children as possible, is that you're you're not broken, mm-hmm. you know. There's there's value in your story. There's value in in uh in, in the things you went through.
0: Now, this it's about education too. That's what called money making conversation masterclass. What exactly is foster care? Uh,
3: well, it's basically when the state uh becomes becomes your parent. Hmm. Because, you know, when, you're, when your parent or guardian are either unavailable or unwilling mm-hmm. to raise you, the state steps in and they put you in a home, where, where, you know, there they're are they're people that that are volunteer, well, they don't volunteer. They pass a process and they become foster parents and they agree to take children that have been abandoned or given up. Um, but a lot, but sometimes it doesn't work out because you, you know you're in there with children with all manner of different problems. Right. And sometimes the chemistry ain't there, and you got to move to another place, or you you're troubled yourself, and you need a different kind of care, and you get mm-hmm. moved to another place, or you get in some kind of trouble, mm-hmm. and you get moved to another place. But the state is responsible for you. Mm-hmm. So and you know,
0: so what made the military an option for you? When you because <laughs> were you seeking a family? I, what was what was that whole relationship there? No, I joined the military out
3: of defiance. <laughs> okay. You know? Yeah, I think I I, I had... Uh, I had been... I had moved maybe, like, the for the 14th time uh-huh. or something. And I was just sick. I was just sick of being controlled by people that weren't... Uh, by people that didn't need to be around to deal with the consequences. You know, so it's like, if you take... It's like, if you make some decision for your child, like, if you tell your child, no, you're not going to play the trumpet, you're going to play football. Right. Well, you got to be around to deal with the consequences of that. Right. But right. with foster children, it ain't always like that. Somebody will make that decision for you, and then they quit two years later. And then, you you know, and so right. I got tired of that, and I just, you know, I I, I know I, I really gave up one form of control for another. Right. But, but it was like it was my choice and that's right. what it was I joined just so I could make my own my first choice for myself
0: then 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 I read on your bio you made another transition to the Pentagon so you know you got all you got, you got a lot of amazing titles tied to your name Brian Brian Simpson you know, Pen- yeah, you know foster I'm, care I, military Pentagon <laughs> when I see a Pentagon you know I I you know wow I just think wow what exactly were you doing at the Pentagon
3: I was um, I was a subcontractor. It was after the military, and um, I I was basically just a a, a technician. You know, I made little
0: little repairs and adjustments. Uh huh. You know, stuff I can't really speak on. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you can't. But what we can speak on is how funny you are. Now, now. You know, they say you're a regular performer at the comedy store, which I've been at the comedy store. I know about that, the Laugh Factory, all these places. When you look at when you look at comedy, when you were just uh like, you know, I grew up with Richard Pryor. You know, I thought I was gonna be the next Eddie Murphy. That was my run. What was your run of comedians that you were looking at that you liked or you admired that really, you know, sp- sent you in this direction? Because I can tell you, it was Richard Pryor, Red Fox. It was Eddie Murphy because he, he was he was near my age. Who was it for you, mm. Brian Simpson? Um,
3: man, it's the, you know. So I've been, I guess I got. I got a lot of influences. I really like D.L. Hugo. Mm-hmm. Um, Whoopi Goldberg was like the first person. Mm-hmm. Like from a you know, from the youngest age, I, I really saw. Um, I like Jim Gaffigan.
0: Oh, he's funny. Oh, absolutely.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean the list goes on. I I feel like a uh, list a little something from everybody. I just I love a sharp pen, man. Mm-hmm. Just a, just just somebody that got a sharp wit, you know. And I know that's not everybody's cup of tea, right? But like you said, it's got to when it's something I don't see coming. Yes, yes, yes. Some <laughs> when it's something I wouldn't have thought of, you know, because that's the best feeling is when you see a joke and you go, "Man, I wish I would have thought of that."
0: <laughs> right, right. But then you know, but then but I look at you and I go, "I would have never thought of that." is that that's the brilliance of it brian you know it's like i would have never thought of that but then i'm being entertained and being taken into a world that is so colorful that is so descriptive that i understand i can understand the relationship you had with your grandmother i, I can understand all these worlds that you walk around you know I, it, it, and plus you're very good at ad-libbing you have very good improvisational skills so that lends me the question are you going into acting um i'm trying Mm -hmm. you know it's just one of those
3: things where you know what when you put the time into uh to to stand up you know how much it takes yes sir uh it's very difficult to start back over with something that you're not very good at Uh uh-huh so that's what i'm doing right now i'm working on my acting skills i'm trying to get them up because i don't want to just act for the sake of acting i want to do good at it right so, I, I, it is something
0: I'm doing. Man. I feel you will, man. I, I it's, it's something about you, man. Like I said, I I saw your special, man. You know, usually because I, I I get the opportunity to see a lot of new talent with my show, Master Money Making Conversation Masterclass, and and so I always enjoy seeing up and coming comedians. And you had me the first five minutes, man. And then I went, okay, let me see the next ten, okay, the next fifteen, the next twenty. The next thing you know, you saying good night, and I went, wow. This went by so fast. And I actually watched it again right after that, Brian. It went by that fast. And then I got home, like I said earlier, and I told my wife, I said, you need to see this guy. He's pretty funny. She goes, who is he? I said, just watch him. Just watch him. So she was like, you know, she was multitasking, you know. You know, so mm-hmm. she started watching. Next thing you know, the paper got set. It was pushed to the side of the, of the chair. And then she started, that's good. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> and so I'm just letting you know, I'm just I'm just sharing these little personal moments with you, Brian, because uh, it's good seeing that a craft that, that has been so important for me in my life. I wouldn't be in this conversation with you if I didn't do stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedy allowed me to leave IBM. Stand-up comedy allowed me to be a sitcom writer. Stand-up comedy allowed me to manage Steve Harvey. Stand-up comedy allowed me to do so many things I do in this business. You know, Stephen A. Smith, run production companies, uh, have hit movies. All these things has been because of stand-up comedy. So when you sit up and tell me, man, I want to act, and the talent I see in you, Brian Simpson, you will be whatever you want to be because, man, you are a special talent. And the specialist airing on Netflix should be seen by everybody.
3: Thank you. That's the highest compliment. I appreciate
0: that. I appreciate you, brother. And I want to thank you for taking the time to come on the Money Making Conversation Masterclass. You said something earlier. You said, hey, Rashawn, you know, uh, uh, people starting to see the special and, and, you, and starting to reach out. What has been the, the most fun reaction as we close this interview about your special errand, and people start to recognize your comedic talents.
3: Oh, you know what? Actually, you, you, uh, you keep bring, you, you brought up the name a few times. Um, I woke up the other day and I had about 50 text messages and like 10 missed calls. And it was all my friends and family going, Steve Harvey looking for you. Yes. Yes. And I'm like, I was like, what? Yes. <laughs> you know, and then and I, I opened my social medias and, everybody's tagging me. Look, Steve Harvey looking for you. Steve Harvey looking for I still ain't got a hold of him. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I did. He, he wanted me to call into the show and I tried to call in and I could And people still, to this day, you know, that was a few days ago. People still i would tell you what I'm going to do. Uh,
0: when we finish the interview, I'm going to give you your email address. I'm going to connect you. Okay?
3: Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm going to connect that.
0: you. That's my boy. Okay? I'm doing a favor for him next week. So, no, no, no. You're special, man. And he sees what I see. OK, you got a gift, man, that like I tell you, he'll tell you, he'll tell you himself, you're doing jokes he would never thought of. And that's a brilliant compliment. And I'm glad that I was in tuned enough to be saying a name that's trying to track you down called Steve Harvey. And my name is Rashawn McDonald. So you remember that name when you talk to him. OK, I'll, ne- I'll never forget. <laughs> All right. Then. Thank you for coming on Money Make Conversation Masterclass, Mr. Brian Simpson. Thanks, Rashawn. I appreciate you. If you want to hear any of these interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host.
2: You've been listening to Money Making Conversations with Rashawn McDonald. Please join us next week. And always remember, lead with your gifts. Money Making Conversations is a presentation of 3815 Media Incorporated. You are now tuned into the Money Making Conversations Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald.
0: Hi, Rashawn McDonald from Money Making Conversations Masterclass with your daily Minute of Inspiration. Bishop T.D. Jakes gives my audience reasons why you should build a business and how consistency builds it.
3: Evolving, keep growing, whether you build a business to sell, and there are logical reasons why many people build a business with selling in mind, or whether you build a business to pass on as a legacy to your children, you have to keep momentum. You have to keep momentum. It is the thrust that keeps the plane in the air. And this is the issue in all of our lives. We have a gravitational pull that's always trying to pull us back down to where we came from. Keep building, keep going forward, because if an airport, if an airplane stops its thrust,
0: mm-hmm. it will immediately fall to the ground. If you want to listen to this full interview with Bishop TD Jakes, it's available on moneymakingconversations.com.